Look out, Balloonyaks, it's spoopy season. I feel silly saying spoopy, but I'm gonna go with it anyways. This is your friendly neighborhood content warning, and we're just letting you know, in case you haven't ever listened before, that we swear a lot on this show. And especially this season, sex and violence are gonna come up regularly. Not gonna go into the nitty gritty, but, uh, you know, maybe some of the nitty. You've been warned. Hey everybody, I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. And we're your aeronauts, and we're back with more word balloons. Finally. (laughs) We've been flying high on our own hot air, but have stopped on our journey to the slaughtered lamb to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Tyler, what's our question this week? What is our question? I don't have it in front of me. Okay, that's on me. Because you you have my phone. (laughs) Oh, right, yeah. I'm holding two phones. God, we're so prepared for this. What are major cultural differences for horror movies? Like how you tend to get slasher movies from the U.S., but more psychological horror from East Asian countries. How has the introduction of other countries' horror movies changed American horror movies? Oof. Okay, so this is a big question, and to properly answer it, I'd probably need to, like, write an essay or something. Yeah, just go listen to Fried Squirms. Um, Because there's... There's got to be a multiple facets of view. A side note to editor and stowaway Stephen here, uh, but like, there's there's so many viewpoints to t- tackle that question of like the international perspective of other countries and how they view American cinema through horror, and then also how uh, American cinema has adapted and adapted and remade American a uh, foreign horror. Yeah, I, and that's so... just what I know as a person who kind of likes horror movies, unlike you, who I would venture to say loves horror movies. So the best I could come up with for, like, a general answer for this is if there's a generalization that you can make about a country's art house films, it also applies to their horror movies. So, like, European movies are gonna have more sex. Okay, so... Uh, uh, Central and South America are gonna have more magical realism, since that's the birthplace of magical realism. Germany, in particular, you're gonna see more uh, expressionism. Australia tends to be horror set outdoors and like taking advantage of the outback and the fact that everything in Australia can kill you. Yeah, I can see how that would lead to uh, (laughs) monster movies or whatever. Like, it came from wherever. But it also kind of depends on like how much that country's film industry is trying to get noticed because Hollywood is still the big thing for movies. And so if you can get an American audience, then you're kind of set and you're going to make money. So there are a lot of times when other countries intentionally Americanize their things as well. Interesting. Yeah, fair enough. Or or if they don't Americanize it, they take a look at what worked in the past in America and just repeat that. A big, a huge example would be like Jiangxi movies from China, which are kung fu vampire movies. I love that sentence so much. Yes. Now, Jiangxi are vampires from Chinese folklore, but they don't use the folklore versions. They use what works for the kung fu movies that were selling in America at the time. So Bruce Lee vampire flicks. More like Jackie Chan vampire flicks. Also good. That sounds awesome. I feel like that's a missed opportunity. Not necessarily for a horror movie, but a, like, Jackie Chan vampire hunter in his, like, 90s Rush Hour Shanghai Noon style era. I would also just like a Jackie Jackie Chan animated cartoon show where he's fighting Dracula. So Jackie Chan Adventures, but for, like, mature audiences. So, yeah, basically we'll just do the Batman versus Dracula movie that they did for the (laughs) Batman, but for the Jackie Chan Adventures. Other things... 
There's so many factors. Like the how deeply religion is intertwined into the culture and or the politics of the region greatly influences uh, the horror a lot of the times. The, the more entwined, the more you tend to get supernatural and like blasphemous things so that the horror is transgressive. So, like, more Catholic countries are more likely to have, like, possession stories. Ghost and vampire movies, actually. Interesting. Yeah, just sort of as a general bent. Time period is a big thing. Like, um, this, the question specifically stated, like, Asian psychological horror, which I would say is, like, it's half there. You know how, like, there's also, like, we're talking about the countries that gave us manga and anime. That energy is also very much there in horror. You just kind of have to know which subgenre to look for. I think The Ring has a lot to answer for for how we view... Yes, Ringu is why we view Asian horror the way we do now. I mean, Junji Ito seems to have tapped into that with every time I've looked at his comic and then put it down and walked away. But time period-wise, you also see big differences because pre the lost decades of Japan, it tends to be a lot more... Uh, ghost stories and slightly folklore based. Once that starts happening and you have just like this uh, stagnant uh, economy with a growing divide between the young and old, that's actually reflected very much in their horror movies where there tends to be sometimes almost outright warring between the young and the old. And with the, the economic depression, there's a very high fixation on the concept of, like, urban loneliness. What do you mean by Japan's lost decades? I'm sorry, I don't know that. uh... So starting in the 90s through now, they've basically had almost no economic growth. Oh, okay, yes. Like, at all. Things have stagnated Stagnated. to the point that it almost doesn't make sense to, like, put your money in a bank for it to accrue interest because the interest is almost non-existent. Okay. Wild. Did not know this either. I knew, I had heard bits of it, but I didn't realize it. Anyways, I just didn't recognize that term, so I wanted to. Mm -hmm. I think, I think, like, worldwide, 2000 through 2010 is also considered a lost decade. It's it's a weird economic turn, and I'm not like we super. Came of age and, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't like numbers or math, so um, <laughs> or capitalism lo- or or capitalism. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me how much I freaking hate capitalism. I can't remember. Do we swear on this podcast? Nah, we true. I fucking I've, do. I've talked about Wolverine's penis, so yes, this oh. is the one that we can swear on. I couldn't remember, and I uh, wanted to. Stay we have myself. not done this in a while. It's been um, a moment, uh, but yeah, no, I hate capitalism. It could fucking die. Politics of a region very much play in if. Like, a Serbian film couldn't have been made anywhere else. Uh, Tigers Are Not Afraid could not have been made anywhere else. Um, oh, a Serbian film is a title. Okay. Yeah, I thought yeah, you yeah. Just yeah. Meant a... um, uh, it's one that they've covered on Fried Swarms. And yeah, it's... Is the best I can give you. <laughs> it's... The most mainstream extreme film that's been made. Okay. It's uh, a pass for me, dog. Yeah, it's going to be a pass for most people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, very much so. It did get, re- like, it did some really serious art house rounds, though, when it first dropped. I actually know a number of people that saw it before me just because they're super into art house flicks. So I will forever argue that art needs to be made beyond just what I like, and that me being not interested is not an indication of quality. Oh yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. I'm also reading Power Rangers right now, so I actually can't <laughs> judge on quality. Super good. Fuck. Um, anyways. But yeah, so <laughs> the other half of the question was how does it influence uh, America? Yeah, how is... I would Once again, it, America tends to more do the influencing... Due to Hollywood, mm-hmm. but well, our I would number s- one export is media. 
Yeah, but I would say that certain things help trends along. Um, I don't think torture porn could have took off in the mid-2000s if the new wave of French extremism hadn't been getting critical acclaim over in France at the time. So it let people take a risk. Stuff like... They're like, this is this super critically acclaimed flick that is more extreme than the torture porn movies. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's okay to take a chance on torture porn. Also, during that time period, I want to say that actually the biggest thing that made torture porn take off the way it did was actually uh, the passion. Yeah, I guess if you can have two hours of Jesus getting the shit beat out of him, then you can have backpackers get murdered. Mm -hmm. It sets sets an easy precedent of what you can and cannot show on a film to a broad audience. There is a kid that I knew in high school that would have been so angry to hear this little conversation here <laughs> as he watched The Passion of the Christ like ten times in theaters and tried to make us watch it at a sleepover. Why? <laughs> I mean, that's what I was Because told. he was very, very evangelical Christian. But I'm just thinking of him now as so he'd be like, how dare you say that? I still don't understand why, but that's a me thing, I guess. Neither <laughs> did I, man. <laughs> it came out when I was still pretty involved with the church. I saw it three times in theaters. I'm not even judging the movie. I'm just saying a bunch, like... Definitely haven't seen it in its entirety. Uh, I definitely had cable while it was, like, mm-hmm. on there at one point and saw just enough to be like, mm, I'm good. No, thank you. It's just, like, a bunch of, like, horny 17-year-old boys. And we're like, we have two choices for movies. We have Eurotrip or Passion of the Christ. Which one's going to win? Uh, Eurotrip. Uh, rewatched it recently. I kind of surprisingly just, fun. Yeah, only a few dated things that are like ooh. I I largely have decided to leave it in the rose tinted glasses territory, but I do remember it fondly. Scotty doesn't know slaps. Yes, and I'll still sing that sometimes. And great cameo by Matt Damon. And a great cameo by um, uh, Fred Armisen. Yes. And for me, Kristen Kruick, but that's... Also I definitely realized boy. I had a crush on Michelle Trachtenberg when I saw that movie as a, as a youth. Which one was Michelle Trachtenberg? Uh, she was on Harriet Buffy. The Spy. And, yes, and Harriet the Spy, and she is the uh, twin sister. In oh, Europe. okay, yes. Uh, Mona Mecklenburg in uh, 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 Pete and Pete? Oh, dip. <laughs> I forgot about that one. Anyway, uh, I would say the biggest influence, though, on American horror is from the Italian giallo. Giallo's are basically proto-slashers. In fact, a lot of the kind of bad tropes about slashers didn't originate in slashers. If you go to the early slashers, they're not nearly as misogynistic. There's almost no, like, nudity for no reason. They're scary and stalkery, and all of that was pulled from Italian giallos. Okay. Interesting. So... Dude, are Giallo's responsible for Black Guy Dies First, too, or...? Ooh, uh, no, because <laughs> there's barely any black people in ah, Giallo's. yes, okay. A different I, kind of racism. Uh, so, Giallo means yellow, and it's because the first Giallo's were adaptations of the pulp crime novels from Italy, which were printed on yellow paper. Basically, in America, pulp fiction led to grindhouse and exploitation, and in Italy, they took more of the crime side and turned it into giallos. But they're like 
lurid, gory crime mysteries mm-hmm. that actually follow extremely, extremely specific tropes to the point where, so if a giallo star is a woman, she is being stalked by a dude, there's a psychosexual aspect, 95% of the time he's going to be wearing a leather jacket, black gloves, and being and using some sort of slashing apparatus that isn't quite just a plain knife. Okay, so very specific. If it's a dude, then he witnesses a murder and then becomes a target when he tries to solve it himself. Once again, being stalked by a dude in a leather jacket with some sort of slashing apparatus that isn't quite a plain knife with a heavy ass, uh, heavy focus on the interplay between soundtrack uh, and then the framing of the screen and colors, especially. And they all have wonderful, amazing titles like The Bird with the Crystal Plumage and all the colors of the dark, and <laughs> your vice is a locked room and only I have the key. I hate that so much, but, like, <clears throat> in a way that I don't actually hate it. Like, like I, it's terrible, but I'm still, like, amused I and happy about it. I can't be mad that it exists, but I'm also mad it exists, <laughs> if that makes sense. And basically, if you've ever seen a Brian De Palma film, it's an homage to it, a giallo. Oh, that makes a lot of sense now that I think about it. Wow. Uh, They are by far the biggest influence on American horror, as far as I'm concerned. Fair enough. Uh, Followed closely by folk horror from Britain. That definitely tracks. Which we're seeing a more, uh, or at least I'm seeing a larger, more influx of that. Lately. Lately. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we're kind of in a folk horror revolution in a way. Or not revolution, but like renaissance. The one that I can't, that I can't think of the name of, but uh, the where they go um, on the trip and Midsummer. Uh, thank you, I, God, <laughs> Midsummer, M- Midsummer. That one, so fantastic. I can't remember names. I'm bad. Sorry. Oh, you're fine, my guy. Anyway, I think that's as that's a that's good, as tight as I can version. make it. Yeah. Um, before we jump into the next part, I do want to address the quick elephant in the room. We do want to apologize for not having an episode up for like two months behind-the-scenes stuff went down, and we just couldn't meet up for, like, a month and a half. And then the holidays hit. And there was just no... This is the first time we've gotten the three of us together in a room since, I think, October? I think, yeah. Yeah. Early October. And it is January 8th today. So let that just... (laughs) But... We're back. I'm not going to promise that we're perfectly on schedule because that is the best way to make sure that we're not perfectly on schedule. But we're back. We're working. We're trying. We appreciate your patience. I have one last thing to add to my question before. I would also say that currently the U.S. doesn't specialize in slashers. We specialize in zombie flicks. By far. Yeah. Everybody kind of has slashers. slashers is like super 80s. It's where you only see... It's where you see new franchises get started in Mm -hmm. in American cinema, like horror-wise. Everything else I can think of has been new iterations of existing franchises. Mm-hmm. Here's the 10th movie in this. Here's the 50th. Yeah, okay. I like zombie movies, though. Anyways, in order to keep our journey going, we're going to have to drop some ballast. Luckily, Tyler is stuffed to the brim with a sort of genre facts. I'll prod him a bit and see what shakes loose. Remember, any misses or mistakes we will have to make up for at the end of our trip. So today, we'll keep this expedition's theme of monsters. So, Tyler... What knowledge can you drop on? Oh, I. This one has been haunting me for a while. It just keeps being written in blood on the wall, and I need to know what it is. I have no clue. So please, can you tell me what a hodag is, Tyler? No, I can't. You don't know what a hodag is? I don't know what a hodag is. Oh, crap. I'm going to have to keep seeing this blood pour through the walls, just spelling out hodag until the redemption round? Yeah. 
Huh. It sounds like it's close to a poltergeist if the blood on the wall is like any sport. Oh, it has nothing game. to do with oh, okay. that, by the way. No, he just he's got this blood walls and he's just. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I've heard, like you have me really stumped. I'm not sure if I've heard of a hoedown. See, this one I had heard of, but I definitely was like googling as he was telling me which one he picked, being like, yes, just, a, just as a reminder, I'm, uh, I, we've been getting all of these uh, messages and just like weird, darkly cryptic uh, um, forms, so uh, all the, the topics we've been getting have just been either like ghostly or bloody or something, so that's what's unrelated, so I, I assume, because I don't really know what a hodag is, I was hoping you did, and I guess we're going to have to send you to the library to... Sounds like a dance, but I know I'm just thinking of hoedowns. Um, well, I... Wow. I... Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um... Oh, wait, oh, okay, so there's more blood on the wall, it says there's, quote, a cryptid. It's just showed up underneath it. <laughs> but, uh, um, so th- but that's all I know. That's so. for redemption rounds. <laughs> we're going to learn more next time. Sweet. That's it for today, folks. We're taking off. But before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows at earverm.com. That's E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch and with follow us will be in the show notes. And as always, we want to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gade, and to Ian Ford for our theme song, Tracks. Until next time, I'm Zach. Up, up, and away? You were supposed to say I'm Tyler. Oh, but shit. We have not done this in a while. Also, it's Gady. God damn it. <laughs> I'm Tyler. <laughs> I think up, up, and away. <laughs>